No, no, we're gonna do. We're gonna do like a. Smoke a doob. Wayne's World. You know where they're playing hockey in the street. Yeah, yeah. Game, game off. Game off. Yeah, yeah. So game on. Game. All right. Can we do a tally of nineties references? Yeah. <laughs> There's fucking too many of them, bro. Too many of them. All right. You ready, bro? Yeah, I'm good to go. Welcome everybody to episode number four. Very, um, this is a very special episode for me because I have both my brothers here, Buddha Ew. and the Mule. And uh, so, for those of you that don't know, what we do on this podcast is pick apart music that we listen to in our youth. So, mainly from ages like 14 to 20, uh, we're looking at uh, how that still impacts what we listen to today. Um, and still those experiences and, and the things that we did back then, the stuff that we listened to, re- really defines us in some ways of, of who we are. Um, but for me, a lot of that music, the, the 90s stuff, you know, the, the grunge and, and metal, I still go back and listen to today. And so I'm really interested in, in this particular episode because all three of us had pretty much the same upbringing. Mm. Um, but we did end up in, in quite different places musically in, in terms of what we listen to. There's sort of stuff that overlaps that you know that, that you listen to and I listen to, and, and you know, and then there's stuff that I love and you fucking hate. You know, <laughs> punk music being one of those things straight up. You know, well, let's, well, let, let's talk about the background. Yeah, we've got to get a list. What's the history? Okay. I mean, I know. You know, yeah, yeah. that's right. So but, I mean, that's the interesting part of this. I mean, yeah, where well, you all came from. To where you got to after Hans Christian Anderson, Hans Christian, <laughs> Tommy the tuba, Tommy the tuba, <laughs> John Farnham. <laughs> but we, we, look, we, we had an, a religious upbringing, so you know we all went to church until our mid-teens, pretty much every week. Lived in a church. Low Lived teens. in a church, and we used yeah. <laughs> uh, band rehearsal in a church. You know, smoking a burger. Silver linings, <laughs> silver linings for everything. Yeah, the silver like I mean, rehearsal we, we, space in the eastern suburbs. Yeah. In the nineties. In the nineties, so, very expensive. Fuck. And yeah. cheapest, yeah. And I think the best I think the best part of that was the was the musical aspect of it. Well that's what kind of Oh well, the, from from the religious stuff, yeah. yeah. I mean we were talking about this on on um, with I think with, with your brother and with Anton. The big songs like I mean we named this pop podcast Ziola, so that's after a Jane's Addiction song, uh, Three Days, which is a massive song. It's mm. what, twelve minutes? Thirteen minutes? Yeah, it gets there. Come on, you, you knew two uh, weeks ago. Yeah, it's 11 minutes, 49 seconds. 11 minutes, 49. <laughs> so the, those songs that we listened to as kids, that you know, the, the big hymns and the, and, mm. the, and the, 
you know, the 300 people singing in that giant sandstone church in, in Pado yeah. did affect what I listened to later on. Definitely. You know, so, I mean, we've, we've discussed ad nauseum, Andrew and I, what, what albums and what artists really sort of were, were number one to us for me. It was Alice in Chains. Um, for Robbo, it was Jane's Addiction. You know, nothing shocking. So I'm interested to hear from you guys, like, what you listen to, you know, in your mid-teens that changed the way you think about the world or just changed the way you thought about yourself or, mm. mate, like, what, uh, it's a bit of a... It's, it's a bit of a difficult thing to quantify because I know when I listened to Dirt, I felt different after it, the album had finished. Mm. So it was... Depressed. Well, it was a little bit of that. It was a little bit, it was a little bit of self-indulgent depression as well, you know? Like, because it, it, is, it is a lot like that. But it was... And that depression side of it was more, oh, fuck... My life's not that bad. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that cunt's going through a lot more yeah. shit than He's I He's a big old pole of them bones, right? Relatable. <laughs> relatable aspect. Yeah. But I'm interested to hear from you guys because, you know, we, we like, again, we had the same upbringing and we, we grew up, I mean, Mule's not that much younger than the two of us. So the, the music that was around at the time mm. was, you know, the, the same stuff with grunge, you know, like, and, yeah. and that, that I mean, before that, stuff, I think so. there was definitely a time when. For all three of us, it might have been a short amount of time, but it was definitely a time when all three of us there was only one band, and that was you two. Mm. <laughs> yeah, totally. That, yeah. Was, that was it. That was, that yeah. was like the pinnacle, yeah. rattle and hum. Yeah. After Joshua Tree, you know, that yeah. was all three of us. That was big. Well, with the, with, the, with the movie and, and all of that, that yeah. yeah, we all got pretty much swept up in that. And, and I went, was, I went to see. Parentally approved as well. Mm. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, it was very biblical as well. You yeah, know, they yeah. they went to Harlem and yeah. they did um, was it Angel Harlem? Yeah, that, but they also did still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yeah. There was BB King, King as well yeah. in there. There was a whole lot of and he, he toured on that on that tour out here as well. He was the support yeah. act, which was I think he was better than you too. Like mm. he was awesome. That finger thing, oh. yeah, this genius. Yeah. I mean, you say like from that age group. I mean, you two was PG friendly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's what uh, I mean. Right. Parental approved, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I still remember my dad walking into my room. I think I was listening to Guns N' Roses and there's that song, Mr. Brown. Your hands above the tuna. <laughs> <laughs> You're dead line, boy. Cut it out, three knees. But there's, <laughs> <laughs> there's that song, Mr. Brownstone, and the mm. line in is it. The line is, uh, that old man, he's a real motherfucker, going to kick him on. And my dad losing his shit at, at me about it, you know? Yeah. Even though Guns N' Roses... In hindsight, is still pretty tame, but that was out there. No, 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 that oh, was dangerous. That was dangerous. Yeah. which, of course, made me wanted to listen to it even more. You know, because it was a forbidden fruit sort of thing. So, mm. yeah, it's funny. Like for me, like before the whole grunge thing really hit, when we we're like in our late teens, there was there's a few memories that I have really specifically listening to things that that are influential. Yeah, um, I remember getting a a 12 inch record of Maxi Priest. I just want to be close to you and listen to that over and over and over and over, and over again. But then also having, I think it was one of your records that yeah. was, was it an Anthrax and... Oh, Anthrax and Public Enemy. And Public yeah, yeah. Enemy. Bring the Noise. Bring the Noise. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Because I remember like getting a, maybe swapping someone's record player, putting it in my room and playing Talking those. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And, and listen to those kind of albums. Um, and, and getting all those different influences. It's, it's funny because the, 
the generation that we came into when we were 18, 19, 20 was just that big changeover from from um, rock to electronic music. Yeah. You know, if you're looking at it, standing back and have a look at the big picture, that's when that's when that, you know. But well, you, we're you very seem to get it. more into the electronic side. Oh, yeah, stuff definitely. More, yeah. Than, more than myself or, or Mule, you know. Modern oh, soul, absolutely. Modern soul. I'll tell you the one gig that, the one gig that really changed it for me in terms of that was Jamiroquai. Yeah. So yeah. I'd been to shitloads of gigs and you're standing there, you're in the mosh pit, you're a bit shorter than all the other tall dudes with long hair doing those ones, but that's alright, you know, that's what you do. And then I, I go to the it was at the Metro, it was summer, it was January nineteen ninety four. And we're like, come check out this band, they're pretty funky. So went in there and was like, I was taller than everyone. Because it was 90% chicks. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. And they were the mo- it was yeah. the most funky thing I'd ever seen. It was just, yeah. it was unbelievable. So I, I guess for me, you could say that was a bit of a, bit of a watermark in terms of like what, what influenced me musically at that age. But um, those, those experiences definitely. too are the, the ones that change how you think about mm. Lots of different things, you know, like exactly right. in, yeah. in, especially in well, you, you would have gone, oh god, you know, funk music's not such a sausage fest. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no great. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> even Les from Primus says, you know, the Primus gig there's a lot of testosterone in the room, you know, there's not <laughs> many chicks that go to those gigs. So. Yeah, true, true. But that 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 you look from my perspective, you definitely went down that sort of more funk R and B track. Yeah. yeah. Than, than, yeah. than myself or Mule. Although Mule, you know, definitely a lot of hip hop, mm. especially in your later teens, you mm. know, when, when you started working more with Ben Carse and stuff, and, mm. you know, which was good for me because I didn't listen to hardly any hip hop apart yeah. from the Beastie Boys, you know. I think definitely in the live sense, Metabase and Breath were kind of forefathers in the sense of Sydney hip hop and it being accessible um, mm. in an Australian sense. Yeah. Without it sound sounding bogan and and you know crap, um, yeah no you know be, being exposed to stuff other than gangster rap yeah, you know, other yeah than sort of you know the NWAs which would get a fourteen year old kid excited at that at that age yeah. and stuff you know going back to sort of a Beastie Boys or a De La Soul point of view where it, so it's almost like hippie hip hop yeah you know mm. yeah quest yeah still mm. political but not speared. so. Yeah, and yeah. enjoyable, you know, yeah. for the musical sense, not not from a, a political sense. Yeah, because yeah, I, was, I was trying to break down in my head, um, just talking about that specifically with hip-hop, as to what comes first. Because when I listen to hip-hop, the first thing I'm listening to is the bass and the drums, mm. and I don't listen to the lyrics until after. If I get get the hook and I get the beat and I get the, the groove and then the lyrics will come like that, I'll sort of focus on that later. But is that like especially be, for you because you were a lyricist and you know uh, did, when you listen to hip hop, do you go straight for the lyrics or do you? Go no, the production generally, and I mean the lyrics like have to have to fit for me to be interested. Yeah. Um, but they've got to complement the production. Definitely. Yeah. 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 I mean. Outcast were a massive, massive. Um, what's the word? Influence. Yeah, well, not influence, but you know, like a a, a shining light for top of the line production, and mm. that that being the driving force, and the music being a driving force rather than you know yeah, the, yeah, the culture. Yeah. Kind of yeah. Thing. yeah, yeah. 
music first. Mm. Yeah. Totally. But, so was there anything, like, when you started listening to, to hip-hop and wanting to write your own stuff, mm. was there any one group in particular that you went, oh, yeah, fuck, I've, I've got to do that? Or I've got yeah. to, you know? No, because I, I never really wanted to be a hip-hop artist. Yeah. I mean, definitely Ongaku and Verse, you know, most people from an outside standpoint would look at it and go, okay, yeah, that's hip-hop, yeah, but it's, you know, it's musical, it's kind of funk-based or jazz-rock-based kind of stuff, but um, to me it was never strictly a hip-hop thing, it was an amalgamation of all of our influences, Yeah. you know, yeah. and I never mm -hmm. wanted to be just music and rapping, you know, there was singing involved, there was being, making noise for the make it sound, you know, the sake of making noise and it being musical, you know, yeah. Cool. So, a couple of questions that we'd like to ask all our guests is, what do you guys listen to on the way here? Come on, it was I've had, like two, I've had two songs in my head all day, <laughs> this is really fucking embarrassing. Yeah. I've had two songs in my head all day. Yeah. One's Africa by Toto, that's cool. I've been, singing, I've been singing that all day, <laughs> right? Up there, brother. <laughs> See this? High fives. I don't know if okay. I can <laughs> Mate, there's nothing that a... No, no, anyway. There's nothing um, any other much one. more than a man could ever yeah. do. I know, but I want to go home and listen to it right now. Like I can a, hear it in my head. Oh, it's a great song. Oh, the other one is, um, is, is one that I say, I say two words to people just to get other songs out of the head and to piss them off and I just say scat man and that's it. That's oh, all dude. over. So anyway, I'll, you asked me the question. I'll no, no, apologise. No. I can happily say that I don't know what that means. Okay, good. Yeah. So awesome. Awesome. Do it. Now that we have it's been great. I did listen to a couple of good songs this morning, though. Yeah, I mean, I work in a production office, oh, uh, warehouse kind of thing, and we've mm. all got access to Spotify and YouTube through the. You know what I heard so. on the footy last night, coming in out of the halftime break into the game. Someone on Channel 9 was playing the guitar riff of Bye by Living Colour. That's not bad. That was weird. That's not bad. Yeah. And at, in, at Penrith, on their home games, when they run out of the, it's, for the second half, they always play a Faith No More riff. Mm. At the first half, they play Gunners. Yeah, they ripped that off the eels. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> not the only thing anyone's ripped off. I know. It's not their tactics. The Roosters have taken all the good players from every club, mate. <laughs> all right, um, so, but what... Uh, yeah, go Sorry, yeah, I listened yeah. to the last song just before we got here. Is, um, it's the Bob Marley remix album, with, which has got like people like Eric Badu and ah. Chuck D... Uh, the Roots, all doing Bob Marley songs, but their yeah, own nice. versions of, yeah. and adding their own touch to it. It came out like 20 years ago, but it's yeah, awesome, right. awesome album. Yeah, yeah there's, there's a band from, um, well, Sendog from Cypress Hill. He's mm. got a new band at the moment called Power Flow. Mm. It's bio. It's basically the guy from Biohazard. Actually, I think you sent it to him. <coughs> yeah. Oh, um, yeah. If, if you love Bob Marley, their new EP, mm. don't get it. Because mm. they do a version of, <laughs> they do a version of, hang on, I'll look it up. Um, you'll you fucking hate it. Yeah, well, the last the last one you sent me was end of. Yeah, I'm no. Gonna comment on because I don't want to say anything negative. No, say whatever you want. You get up. They, they do a version of Get Up Stand Up. It's terrible. Oh, it's, so yeah. bad. it's a great song, but that version is so bad. You know? No, no, I sent you Delinquent Habits with Send Off yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah. So that's one of those albums that 
I, did, I gave it a listen, mm. and there was probably one or two songs that I could stand listening to the end of the song, but with but just about every other song I get like 30 seconds in and I'm bored. Yeah, yeah. was that uh, what, what were It's you? just the same beat, and it's the same style of rapping, and it's mm. just like, and it's also like, you know, when Cypress Hill first came out, they were kind of groundbreaking, and you could tell they were talking about some real shit, you know, mm. most of it was like how big my balls are, and yeah, mm. you know, hang around with dudes with guns yeah. kind of thing, but... It was pretty, it was pretty raw. And oh, and how much weed can I smoke? Come on. Yeah, yeah, well, of course, yeah. But now it's like, yeah, and I love my brother. Yeah, and I brought my girl a letter. And shit. You know, <laughs> I'm trying to talk hard, but it's just all this like really nice middle of the road shit. Yeah, yeah but, but, but like, the other thing is, is that they're they're middle aged men now. I know, I know. You know but, they're not. They're, oh, they're, but they're, they're still trying to write this so. in the same style. You know, we like, saw like, Prophets of Rage a few months ago. And here we go. Be real was pretty angry. He was pretty angry. I was. No, Be Real was pretty angry. Yeah. yeah. Not as angry right, as you are now. Because they made him wear a, a Saudi Arabian get up or something. <laughs> he, don't, he did that himself. No, he had it on, yeah. What the fuck, man? I think it's Sorry, bro. I must have been some good weed, though. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there was, man, I've got this great idea, man. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, a, it was a, like, that, that gig was... Uh, it, there was one point in it where I sort of went, oh, okay... These guys are full of shit mm. because Be Real sort of got up there and went, you know, we've got to stop making all these homeless people, so we've got to do something about it. <laughs> Man, I mean, look, in fact, I loved I loved the gig because the gig was like, it was such a throwback to yeah, yeah. you know, best of seeing Rage so and all the all the old stuff that they pulled out and they did us and seeing Chuck D. I'd never seen Chuck D. before and he's yeah. just an amazing. Did you see Public Enemy? No, never seen Public Enemy. No, never. Yeah, but there was, I mean, look, their their new stuff is nowhere near what Rage Against the Machine is. Mm. But the gig was great because the mosh pit was like an old school mosh pit. Mm. There was a lot of guys my age, I could take my son and show him, this is what I was into. Mm. And he had he had a fucking blast here because it was like because we saw Mastodon two days later, a lot of young guys don't know how to have a mosh pit, mm. and Leroy went in there and came out and went yeah, the other one was better <laughs> because it was just you know what it's not about bashing people it's about jumping in time with the music and getting it you know like getting that endorphin rush, sweating it up and totally. and, and someone goes down you pick them up and forming that sort of camaraderie with people that you don't know. And that camaraderie is created through that music, you know. The political stuff that they do is like, yeah, okay, you know, like you're not going to change the world through your music. And I know that's the message, especially Tom Morello loves to put out. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm torn because I love the gig. The gig was fucking amazing. Yeah. But the music that they're releasing is a bit. Yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. 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 But it was. was, Rage in their time, in their moment, kind of thing. Um, but you know, even Audio Slave, I think Chris Cornell tried to put his own touch to that and tried to shape that band into something else. But it still sounded like Rage with Chris Cornell, and now it's like playing, playing, game off. I haven't had a drink for six in a couple of hours. Yeah. I haven't had a drink for about four months. Oh, yeah, first bit of beer I've had in about four yeah. months. So. Nice. Oh, you can have two more, bro. Easy. <laughs> Invite me back, says Blake. Bro. I love the podcast. Don't <laughs> 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 crack out the crack pipe in half an hour, then you'll really be. Ooh, you. Now I'm trying to that. <laughs>
another thing that I do like to ask is, I mean, you're talking about, oh, oh, get it, get it. We're talking about, you know, Africa. So what, <laughs> Toto, Toto, Africa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you must have passed out then. Um, what do you listen to as a secret pleasure? Like, what do you listen to that if, if, if you told me what it was, I'd be fucking paying out on your heart, you know, like. What's your guilty pleasure? Okay. What's your guilty pleasure? I love songs like you know? Walking in Memphis by Mark Cohn. Um, see, that's not a bad song. I was hoping, like, you know, I'm a Barbie girl or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, Aqua. Aqua. Aqua, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that who it's Or, you know, who let the dogs out or, you know, something, <laughs> something awesome like that. <laughs> I'll, I'll read you out. I've got an awesome um, playlist that I listen to. Yeah, Mark, Mark, Mark Conn, Steve Winwood, High Love. There you go. Yeah. Like, that but kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, so Bam. pretty much gold FM, you know? Smooth yeah, FM. definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't mind smooth FM. Have you ever put it on? Yeah, I know. It's, I get, yeah, it's not bad. It's, it's quite relaxing. Bad. Bit of air supply. It's good, bro. <laughs> but that, I mean, some of that cheesy seventies rock is. What's um, uh, oh, I can't think of his name. The Joker. I'm a drinker and I'm a smoker. Oh, um. Kenny Rogers. Kenny. No, 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 not Kenny oh, Rogers. Oh, no, that's the gambler. Yeah, that's the gambler. That one. <laughs> Quick, everyone look. Reach for the phones. <laughs> Siri. <laughs> Siri, you bitch. What is that? <laughs> what about you, Mill? Anything that you listen to? That... Yeah, what's your guilty pleasure? Come on. Everyone's got one. I'm not ashamed of it. Sade is definitely a, a pleasure. Oh, yeah. 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 I think she's operator. awesome. Yeah, fuck, she's great for Smooth us. Oh. I, was, I was raised on uh, that. Mm. Driving down the highway with Dad playing Sade. Okay. On cassette. Like in excess. I'm going to throw it out there. A couple of months ago, I had a session oh, of maybe sorry. four or five sorry. hours. Steve Miller Band. Steve <gasps> Miller Band, there we go. I had a session of a good four or five hours of listening to this album on repeat, singing at the top of my lungs, walking along the beach. Um, Whispering Jack, Johnny Farnham. Oh, I was going to say, album. when you asked about the first concert, the first concert I paid for wasn't that, but the first concert I went to was Whispering Jack. Whispering Jack, yeah. Really? What yeah. was the first one you paid for, though? Uh, Helmet and Beastie Boys. Yeah. Coincidentally, it was my first tab of LSD as well. That was a hoarding, man. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah. awesome. I looked yeah. it up last night. I was one month no, I think you were overseas. 15. <laughs> I was still 14. First yeah. tab of acid. That was yeah. that was a um because it's legal at fifteen, right? So. <laughs> at, at fourteen, it's not. Funnily yeah. enough, I wasn't like I was into the Beastie Boys a couple of years before with mm. License to Ill, but I wasn't into Beastie Boys at that time. I, think, I was loving Helmet, and that's think, the reason I went. I think all three of us listened to License to Ill a lot. Yeah. Around sort of eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah. Because I remember listening to it ad nauseum over yeah. and over yeah. and over again. Mm. You know, but Helmet. That, at that gig, yeah, that was amazing. Yeah, that was amazing. And I think they just signed the Beastie Boys. Had just signed, um, what's his name, Ben Lee. Ben Lee, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck you, and, you and Ben Saul Lee. Saul was playing too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he's had such a stellar career since then. Mm. <laughs> Oh, come on, his song's paid on the insurance ad now, isn't it? Well, yeah, we used amazing. to see him at Bondi. I don't know, is he, is he touring with uh, some fucking guy from a 
American sitcom? Oh, I don't know. Don't know. I don't follow his career that closely. <laughs> well, let me tell you. <laughs> You've been listening to too much Smooth FM, bro. <laughs> he's, he's hooked up with one of the one of the actors out of uh, How I Met Your Mother. Oh yeah. Another fucking great show that everybody watches. Mm. Uh, yeah, oh, and yeah, yeah. the two of them have been touring. Yeah, right. Okay. Oh, the guy that was on oh, Roseanne. Groundbreaking stuff. <laughs> yeah. I should have the said kid that was on stuff. <laughs> The guy that's on that from Roseanne. Maybe he was the young young kid off Roseanne. No, no, him? no not him. No. One of the other fucking no. dweebs. <laughs> oh, I'm even. Sorry, I'm I'm thinking highly of, successful Hollywood I'm actor. I'm even thinking mm. of a different show. Yeah. Oh, shit. Ben Lee's going to fucking fire me. So, what do you what do you guys <laughs> think that? Um, you listen to now that your 16, you know, 15, 16 year old self would have gone, nah, fuck, that's good. Because I still compare things, like that, that, that period of my life was such a huge influence on me. Like I still listen to a lot of metal and a lot of heavy rock, a little bit of hip hop, funk, whatever. I'm open, much more open-minded than I was when I was that age. I was really sort of snobby and closed-minded, you know, back then. If it wasn't fucking rock and roll or metal, go fuck yourself. I didn't want to know about it. Um, so Gojira is, is a good example. They're a metal band out of France that I saw a couple of months ago. They, they played with Mastodon. They're a great band. Musicianship is awesome. Sound is unbelievable. It's Godzilla's original name. Is it? Gorilla. 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 There you go. Um, but and they've been around, you know, probably 10, 10, 12 years. Awesome live show. But I just, it's it's, and it should be something that I automatically go yeah and and play it to death. But it's not. It's it's mm -hmm. you know like it's still I'm going back and I'm listening to Alice in Chains or I'm going back and I'm listening to to other things instead. So, mm. what do you what do you guys? Is there stuff now that you go, yeah, fuck, yeah, that's that's as good as then, or it gives you the same sort of feeling that you had maybe when you when you discovered something new, you know, when you when you were when you were a teenager. To to be honest, like the, especially after this last year and the last couple of years, I haven't really been on the cutting edge of discovering new music or anything. If mm. anything, I've been almost ignoring it, trying to focus on my own writing and obviously the family and stuff. And then, um, you know, for the year previous to that, learning, you know, in all the stuff um, that Lachlan writes in, in God's Wounds and stuff. Through through that, um, there, there's bands like the band uh, Hide the Drum Kid Off in LA is, is um, a band called Solar Wimp. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of like a prog version of the Mars Volta, yeah. So that's how they sound to me, kind of thing. And that was probably the last band that I kind of went, "Wow, yeah, I could just listen to this, and this would yeah have got me so really excited." Yeah. When I was yeah. fifteen, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, there's a bunch of young kids that I work with now that you know, twenty year olds, kind of thing, that listen to all, you know, the Childish Gambino and Frank Ocean, that kind of stuff. Um, in the you know the sort of new neo soul hip hop kind of stuff. Um, which honestly I don't really like a lot of. Hmm. There's a few songs which I'll just play the shit out of because I love them, uh, but generally I'm not really into a lot of it. Uh, even the new trap style of music coming out of Atlanta, it's been you know, around for a few years now. But, um, 
yeah, I don't know who these artists are, but some of it are, I'm like, fuck, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, and mm. then others like, what the hell is this shit? You know? Yeah. Um, mm. Tri-Core Quest, the album you gave me a couple yeah. years ago, the, la- the latest one. The latest one. That's that was like a throwback. So that's that awesome. Good. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, that was... But it does sound, it it does that, sound yeah. like a 90s hip-hop album, though, too. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's probably why I like it. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. You know, I, I, I love that style of hip-hop because, and it's a selfish reason, but because it has a bass line. Mm. And it's dirty, though, too. It's not yeah. clean as no, it's not produced. overly produced. You no. can hear the crossfader in the in the beats dropping and stuff, and you can right. you can hear them messing around with different effects and stuff. And, and you not, should you not, should hear that, too, because it's, it's such a fine balancing act, like... The, the art of recording and then the art of playing live mm. and where you where when you're writing something or recording it where you find that crossover point because mm. there's sometimes things that you'll do with overdubs and whatever else in the studio that when you go to play it live you're never going to be able to yeah. do it mm. so the more you border on that live side of thing for me anyway that's you know the, the, it, it's always a good thing mm. but that album is the beats in that mm. awesome you know mm-hmm. simple guitar lines good bass lines good beats good good lyrics yeah, it's a simple formula, but mm. it, you know, it's, it's hard to find sometimes. You know, I've got. I've, while you've been talking, been thinking about this. I've, I, I think that, you know, nothing's ever going to really capture what you felt when you were that age in terms of the, you know, who, who you were as a person. You know, it's very. You, you take a lot of power out of all the tunes and stuff like that, and it really kind of, you know gives you a lot of that kind of energy and motivation to, to figure out who you are and what you know what you're doing with yourself in the world and all that kind of stuff so but someone that I, I have heard in the last year or so that that I like that probably makes me you know makes me perk up and go oh okay cool so he's doing some differentish things is a is a guy called Anderson Pack who's a drummer oh, who's awesome. you know yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's, he's amazing yeah he's unbelievable um, you know Informing sits on a kid so he, so, he, so he plays drums, yeah. he's, he's, he's pretty funky, he does a whole lot of, he does collaborations with a lot of people, mm. um, and you know, he sings, he raps. Um, awesome drummer as yeah. well. Yeah. R- really, really, mm. really good drummer, just sits really tight in the pocket, heaps funky. Mm. Yeah. And, um, that's right, you were sick, you were in hospital. Yeah, yeah, that's right, I was, yeah, I was in hospital, yeah, supposed I to went. go. Yeah. You got my number there? Apparently <laughs> <laughs> it was a great show. Yeah. The show has not that far, man. Like Twenty minutes away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was one of the most impressive new shows I've seen in the yeah. last yeah. two years. Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah. I, you know, I didn't feel that they got the sound right on the night. I really believe that. We had a chat about this. Too. Yeah, we had a chat about this. I think that was more set up for because they've been doing um, outdoor shows. Outdoor shows. That's right. They kind of probably had a few hours to mix in there, one sound check, one song or two, and that was mm. it. But I was stood at the back, and the bass was vibrating through the wall that's right. that I was yeah. leaning against, like right through my bones yeah. as I leaned against the wall. And it wasn't, I was kind of a bit like, oh, no. when he moved onto the drums, it was a different show. Mm. Yeah. It was, a, and, and across the crowd, everything changed. Mm. Where, where was the gig? Metro. Metro, yeah. And they don't often get it wrong there. No. But it, because it is a good sounding room. Yeah. Um, but uh, when, when he got onto his kit, fuck me, it was, it was like a light came across the whole stage. Yeah. And the whole, the whole gig just changed, completely changed. And I was yeah. like, okay, right, I get it. Mm. 
this is the light bulb moment where I understand like every, and it was heaving in there that night so mm. they, they jammed him in the guest list was as full as full I struggled <laughs> I to get imagine. on to get this but I, I got us in and it was just pumping mm. but yeah there was there's, there's a good example of someone jumping onto a real instrument and the sound equalising and the crowd kind of chilling out. Mm. No, no disrespect to the kids these days, but no. You know, but when, then, when, when all that when when you know, crossover into dance kind of, you know, from rock to dance or whatever you want to call it, want to be general, happened, it was still with live instruments. Well it's you interesting know. you say that because the point of the change is when the DJ sat the fuck down. <laughs> Speaking of DJs at the Metro, I snuck into the Metro, I think, for a Resin Dogs gig. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the Resin Dogs DJ? What was it called? Started with F or something, I think. The one that comes to mind for me is Propeller Heads. That was also at the Metro. I I was living with Jay, DJ in verse. Um, Yeah, and I was like, bro, give me your record case. Food empty. (laughs) Because it sold out. I was like, yeah, just rocked up to the Metro. Yeah, I'm a DJ, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight in. Straight in. Well, 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 Tahitian Moon. Oh, that's good. Good, yeah. one and the Good, 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 Remind me, the Sydney band had like four drummers. Oh, backed them up. Fuck. Helmet? No. No, no, no. No, sorry. Four drummers. Oh, that's bringing some, some bells oh, way back here okay. in the memory banks, man. Well, they did a fucking Butthole fantastic had two, rendition of Chippeway. Yeah. Yeah, because um, they came out at the they end. They came out at yeah. the end. What was that band? With the didgeroo, they still brought out that didge player as well from Gone Wonderland, the guy with one hand yeah. and he had the hook. Oh, he's still and around. What's his name? He still, he still plays around here a fair bit. Yeah, well, when, when we saw James in uh, 91, um, he came out and played Chip Away with them as well. Yeah, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was the first time I'd seen him, you know, mm-hmm. and he had that extendable, mm-hmm. and the, the one hand with the hook on it, and, mm-hmm. yeah, and then did, did it again at the Pornos gig, you know, which was, yeah, that was nuts. That was nuts. What are you Googling now? Band with four drummers. <laughs> you know what? There's a few ads on Gumtree for bands with four drummers. No, I, I, I found a band. Must have a drum kit. Yeah. yeah. Must have four drum kits. <laughs> and three mates. Bring yeah. your own sticks. <laughs> yeah, I was Googling some stuff. I was trying to think of this band um, that I'd only ever seen a video of, and they were a Japanese uh, swing band. Mm. And oh. I remember watching them, watching the video on Rage a few times, and they're playing to like twenty thousand people mm. in a circle stage. Uh-huh. And I found another band. I couldn't remember who that, what the name Lachlan was. Lachlan would probably know. Yeah. Mid um, early nineties, but I found another band. You, you might, be, you might like these guys. They're called Osaka Monorail. 
Japanese funk, but you hear the guy, you swear to God it's James Brown. Mm. <laughs> like It's not like a, even a slight hint of an accent, and mm. the musicianship is just... I mean, it's that late 70s, early 80s, really clean funk, clean guitar, fat mm. bass, tight drums, mm. and this that, that James Brown style of stuff over the top, but fuck me. Remind mm. me to show you a band called Ruins. Yeah. Japanese guy. Yeah. Um, he, he does Ruins alone, but he plays Ruins with other members too. He's a drummer yeah. that writes all the music yeah, around nice. all his, these crazy drum parts. Yeah. Like everything's written around what he writes on the drums. Yeah, And nice. he does the singing too. Like, yeah. Yeah. Most of it's making like silly bird noises and shit. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. Whatever awesome. works. It's Whatever awesome. works. Because yeah. another, another group that I've been listening to after talking, after doing a podcast with um, Andrew's brother James, is Royal Blood. Now, when you listen to them, it's like just from the audio, it, it doesn't sound that different until you realise there's only two of them. Mm. Okay, so the bass and drums, and the bass player sings, but he plays with a split signal, mm -hmm. so a stereo signal. And on one side he'll use a pitch shifter, so it sounds like a guitar, and mm -hmm. then play the bass underneath. So mm -hmm. he's playing all the lead, all the rhythm guitar, and the bass at the same time, and singing at the same time. White stripes. Yeah. It's like an English version of the right, white stripes with a bass instead of a guitar. Mm -hmm. And it's not something, not stuff that I would regularly sort of go gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. But I watched their, on YouTube their show from the Reading Festival uh, 2015. Check it out, man. It's... Yeah. Awesome. It's unbelievable stuff, mm. you know. Like it's just, just, just the way. Like we've we've discussed quite a bit the, the you know development of digital um, stuff, downloads, how you actually listen to music mm. now. Mm. You know, a lot of cherry pick, cherry picking of individual songs. You know, with Spotify and, and Apple Music and Speaking stuff. Speaking of which, you know, shameless plug, God's Words is on Spotify as of a couple of days ooh, ago. Nice, well yeah. done. Good work. Mm. Good work, brother. Cheers. Oh. Hey. Ew. But yeah, like and uh, and and actually going back, how do you guys feel like when you buy music now? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, sorry, do you, if you if you have Spotify and that sort of stuff, when you buy music, do you go for a song or do you go for a whole album? If I'm gonna buy music, I'll I'll buy an album. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't bought an album, yeah, any music in probably a year and a half, I think. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a different. It's a, you're just paying for it a different yeah. way now. Yeah, mm. you know, your direct debit uh, comes out of your account, Spotify, yeah. and yeah, yeah, streaming. Yeah, yeah. yeah what what I sort of wanted wanted to tie that into is going back to Royal Blood. Is that band would not have been able to exist without the technology that exists mm. for that guy to create that sound. Mm with playing one instrument and getting it to sound like two or three. Yeah. So that I, I often, because I still buy music, I, I, I won't do Spotify because it rips the artist off. Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Mm -hmm. But I just feel personally, you know, and I could be fucking wrong, who knows, that if, if, if I want it and I want to listen to it, then I'm, I'm willing to put my money out there, yeah. you know? I'm willing to go and spend the fifteen, sixteen dollars, even just to download it, mm. because I feel like then at least the artist is getting something back, even if it's yeah, this guy likes my shit enough to go out and spend that money, as opposed to paying your eleven dollars or whatever it is on your streaming streaming stuff. So, mm. 
Mm. I mean, you, you're still playing, you're still, you know, recording in this, yeah, that, yeah. and the other. And part of my, you know, part of my reason for not buying any music, especially in just the last couple of years, is an influential thing. You know, like the only once or twice I have bought music is for other people, um, not not for myself because I'm discovering it. It's because hey, you should listen to this like you do with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but do you find though that you? you don't discover as much new stuff or you're not looking yeah. for new stuff? I'm not, or? I'm not looking. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Partly because, you know, I've been caught up so much with, with family stuff. Yeah. And partly because I'm trying to write my own stuff and not be influenced by anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Which is sort of, you know, it's an impossible um, uh, goal. But yeah. one But one you want to chase because you want to yeah. try and find that, that sound that's you, mm. you know? Yeah. Uh, which is, you know... Which I think everyone does, every musician does to a certain extent. Hmm. Yeah, it's not. But you know, like we, we we went to Origin the other day and fucking Jet played, right? <laughs> I didn't even know those cunts were still around. Right? And fucking, I thought and it was the Rubens. They're not. It was the Rubens and Jet and some other shit band as well. Yeah, right. So and I like it, the Rubens. That, but the sound I, I don't mind a couple of songs. Yeah. I, I'll be honest I find it hard to listen to their albums but I don't go past seeing them live yeah but see you've got to think at, at ANZ with yeah. 80,000 people 75,000 who would not have given a shit yeah. about who was playing you don't I mean I, I don't listen to the rumours I don't, don't know their stuff but it was like can they just start the football please because yeah. you know that's, sure. it was bad bad context to see them but Jet came out and played all the same shit, you know. Are you gonna be my girl? And for whatever the other fucking two or three singles they released when they were huge, and it was kind of like fuck. Mm. That but that's what our crowd wants. Yeah, isn't that all they've got? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know, but they said well, they're the, the same same three times. Oh, they're doing a. They've, they've just finished a national tour. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't they do that ten years ago? You know. Um, I mean, look, yeah. they all have new haircuts. You know what Jet had though when they first started? They had an album. They had like a proper yeah. album that you could listen to start to finish. And I think yeah. that that's a big reason that people don't buy albums these days as well, mm. is because one that okay, a lot of people got a short attention span. Two, you know, it's not. Music's not packaged to buy as an album as no. much as it is. But three, I think Single, the most yeah. important thing is that a lot of bands don't make albums anymore. They make singles. Mm. Well, they don't, two don't, or three remixes and yeah. one song. And, yeah. Whereas an, an album should be a moment in time, whether it's a year or you know a couple of years or a good couple of months in a, but, in a but studio. But how people buying or, stuff is, yeah. is sort of works against that. Yeah, true. You know, like yeah. it, it, it's a lost art. <coughs> and, but it listening is. to an album is a lost art. Because it is a bit, it is, it's, if you're not practiced at it, it's quite difficult. I mean, we, we used to do it all the time, you, yeah. you know, hide yeah. from your parents and stick your headphones yeah, on and listen you could, to it. You could never click to the next track though, you had to fast forward. You had to listen to it. Or, yeah, yeah. It's playing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a low one. It's an A380. I've heard the other ones go, but that's a low one. It's a A380. You know what that is? A380. It's one of the big boys. Need to tune up. Exactly. It's not the fuel injection. It's coming from LA as well. It's pretty heavy. You're right. There's a lot of semi-digested McDonald's on that one. <laughs> but that going going back to that, the new um, or the most recent Primus album is 
a really good example of what an album should be. Mm. Because, and when I was explaining it to Andrew, you can cherry pick a couple of songs out of it and go, yeah, fine, they're good songs. But when you listen to the whole album, because it's like a, it's based off a book, so it follows a storyline, yeah. and all the songs flow um, with small interlude sections into each other. Mm. So it, it becomes something more than just a single. Yeah. You know, it, a it, bunch it, of songs. Yeah. And when we saw, we saw them uh, two months ago, um, the middle section of their set, they just played stuff from the new album, mm. the way it sounds on the album. So they linked all the songs together the way they're linked, it, and and it made so much sense. You know, like it was. Mm. It, I don't. I mean, the, the term concept album is is what it is, which there used to be. You know, a lot more of. Um, especially in seventies metal and 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 that yeah. sort of that sort of thing, but yeah, it was that that's a, f a great album, but it's a real throwback to stuff that doesn't exist anymore. Mm. You know, mm. it's yeah. If you get a chance, man, check it out. It's you know their their last couple of albums have been good, you know, because they didn't write and they didn't record, they didn't do anything for five or six years to sort mm. of refresh, and they released two albums, which were one was just them. Next album, they did all covers of um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory songs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you know, which is all the Oompa Loompa yeah, songs and all right. that, but really dark, you know, like Primus style. And then, and then this, yeah, and then this one, which is based off a book, it's all goblins and rainbows and you know, mm -hmm. freaked out, fucking trippy shit. That's sick. Yeah, but and then looking at looking at the at on tour of the in the states at the moment with Mastodon, fucking, it'd be a good bloody show that one. Um, and they do the same thing, like in the middle of the set, it's four or five of the songs from the new album all just flowing into each other, you know? Cool. Which right. is, yeah, it's a, it's a great thing. It's a good right. thing. Actually, I've got a question for the three brothers. Mm. What's the anthropology of the music? What does anthropology mean? <laughs> <laughs> you want to edit that out as well, <laughs> It stays in. <laughs> Obviously, spent a lot of time playing music at night school. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, we, we weren't big on the on the um, the theory of the stuff. It was just fuck it, let's just play. Absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, you all played in a lot of bands differently. Yeah. Playing in bands still now, so just jog my memory. I know where right. you started. I know where you right. came in. I know where you came in. Well, kind of. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, yeah. I I started playing drums because Buddha started playing drums yeah. in high school and he never used to let me play his kit. I had a drum kit in my bedroom. And so every time Buddha would go out and play footy or basketball or whatever, I'd jump on. Yeah. Step Brothers. No, no, yeah. it was like this. And I fell in love with it. Yeah. It was tone low. Yeah, that was the first beat. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And then six hours later, funky golden beer. Wild thing. That was it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Your first band was, was... Was The Habit. The Habit. Yeah. Mm. And then... Well, strange But True. Strange But True, which then became The oh, Habit. Oh, sad But True, wasn't it? Strange oh, But No, no, Strange But True. Strange sad But True is the, a Metallica, Metallica yeah. song. And then wasn't yeah. it The Nun's Habit? Yeah. Yep, then The Nun's, Nun's Habit. habit. Yeah. And then... I remember you and the guy it blimp, the combi wouldn't say it. The foggy window. And <laughs> 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 remember the guy at that blimp gig, he wouldn't say Nun's Habit. He yeah, said, oh, it's The Habit. Brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, sweet bro, thanks. Yeah. Sick. 
Yeah, so we had the, the habit, which then had Alan come in, play flute. Sure. Alan was your, and Matt was your mate. Yeah. And then when that sort of disbanded. Well, hold up, because that was a massive time. Yeah, true. I'm, I'm just talking about me, bro. Yeah, no, but like, just, just influentially, I think, for all of us. Oh, yeah. Particularly in the musical sense, in the musical sense of, of jamming, like you guys, I, I used to sit there and watch you guys for hours, particularly you and Matt. Mm. Mm. Um, just play, man. Just play and just off the top of your heads. Well, well my theory just, has always been, and I found this out around that sort of time, is that if you go in with a preconceived idea of what you want the music to be, it, it's not gonna happen. It's gotta be an amalgamation of the personalities in the room, and the only way to find that is to jam. And just, all right, I'll start playing something, then you start playing something, and then, and yeah. you know, the, the, the best person that I ever did that with was Ricky. Yeah. Ricky was a fucking master at that. And, and it would all, with Ricky particularly, it would, almost happened like that you know yeah it, it would getting him like, to remember it yeah <laughs> that was a completely different but story back in those bondi days you know it'd take 20 minutes and then all of a sudden you guys would just be in sync yeah we'd find yeah. a hook and yeah. you know yeah. we'd, we'd go there and but there that, was, that, there was that one that, night was it uh, whose birthday was it when you hide out the for, was it on for street um what's, what's the public excelsior like, yeah the excelsior didn't you hire out the, the whole excelsior I think so. Yeah, and like it was, it was literally a massive musical circle. Yeah, mm. it was either Matt's birthday or somebody. Someone's eighteenth or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I was like twelve. I don't remember or, that at all. Twelve or thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> it happened for him. Yeah. Okay. You all played in the habit, or did you? No, we used to jam. We used to jam like you know, jam mainly with with boards and. I mean, I didn't. We didn't. Me and Mule really didn't start. Because you had a few like little punky things that you were doing when you had yeah, green hair Ricky and shit. And, and Ricky and Paul. But also those, remember those guys you used to play in, in the warehouse in Alexandria? Oh, yeah, that yeah, old guy's yeah. like woodworking shop yeah, or whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so Mule was sort of branching out and doing his thing. And then when the habit sort of, you know, fell apart and I started playing with, with Buddha and Alan mm. um, Doc, and Ben Carsey, Dr. Smooth. Dr. Smooth, yeah. Which was, for me, was a huge change mm. because it was straight funk you know like i was, was dr smooth, dr. smooth. Mm. yeah whereas i was used to playing yeah dr smooth and mezzo and then we went on dopamine after that with dopamine but after same that. Yeah. yeah same same and uh, i learned so much in that band like especially from justin mm. the guitarist yeah. in actually just how to construct things properly how to play because he was I mean, the guy was an, like, uh, his IQ must have been through the roof because mm. he was doing a double degree in chemistry and engineering. You know, I so say he was... Surprisingly, totally you know what he does now? Mm. Plays bass. <laughs> Everyone comes back to bass, man. <laughs> he does. But he was an amazing guitar player. And yeah. he, he, and just his, just from being around his level of musicianship, I learned so much more. So that when I came to doing the stuff that Mule and I did in verse and on Gaku, I knew what I had to do mm. and I was so much more confident. Whereas in the habit, I was sort of following other people's leads. I was following Matt and I was following Chris and what they wanted to play. And the big personalities in that band. Yeah, there were three were of really us were, pr were pretty sort of individual people. But then but by the time that like Mule and, and uh, Ben 
you know, they, they started playing sort of, they wanted to do hip hop sort of stuff and I sort of harassed them into letting me come and come and play and then we got Ricky and then we got Che the DJ to come in and then Mule jumped on the mic and... Well, before Ben it was me, Ricky and Paul McIntyre. Yeah. And Paul McIntyre went mm. to go fruit picking. That's right. So it was me and Ricky for a yeah. little bit. Yeah, yeah. But I remember coming into the into the Kidron's studio in mm. in um, Tama. Uh, Tama. Mm. And you and Ben were already sort of, mm. you know, clicking and writing yeah, and yeah, doing yeah. stuff. I mean that was like know. before and after dopamine rehearsals though too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but just coming into that and it was so good being like I had so much more confidence coming into that scenario mm. and knowing, all right, this is what I want to play. This is how I want it to sound. And I know in, in both of those bands, I was a bit of a control freak, you know? Fuck, just a bit, says Mill. <laughs> you were the bass player, bro. Yeah. No, no, but you know what? Like, uh, uh, as long as you did what I told you to do, everything yeah. was cool. Yeah, that's it. As long as everyone listened to me. <laughs> but I had a real clear vision of what I wanted things to sound like, mm. and that came from playing with Justin, because he taught me... Yeah. No, 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 no. Tweak this, that, do that, that, and when you find that idea and that sound comes in, stick on it. Mm. And you know what you know. I, I sort of lacked confidence until I started playing with him. Mm. And, and when I first started playing with him, I had no confidence. You guys were playing shit in five four, and I was like, mm, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And I'd get up and do it. You had the double bass player guy, yeah, um, and he he'd have to go and do another gig. So I'd come up and play half a set, and that's you know, right. I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't really belong. <laughs> but then once oh, I... Was that, what's his name? Start with J. He was in a... I think he was in The Strange. Yeah, that's yeah, it. He's yeah, he's the awesome. double bass player in The Strange. Guy. He's such a brilliant yeah. musician. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, he was super, super nice, but yeah. so much more... Accomplished. It, it, accomplished yeah, than me. Yeah, yeah. I was so well, intimidated so, well, by that. You know? Educated, musically educated. Yeah, so yeah well, because yeah. none of us learn how to read music or write music mm. or... I mean, from when they brought theory books out at school, it was like, fuck that, I wanted to play, you know? So it's yeah. Speaking of school, I remember the first time I ever saw you play a gig, mm. and it was at the Horton. Yeah, do you remember that? Yeah, I do. You're in the Ramming yeah, High School band, yeah, and you played. You blend. You and played you Walking on Sunshine. Well. In the neighborhood. Did you play Walking on Sunshine? No. No, there was New Groove we played, uh-huh, which was the Rock Villains, yeah. because mm. it had a sick bass line, mm. and they, they wanted me to play that. Yeah. I might have been in year 12, so you must have been out. Picking fruit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, a couple of few fruit pickers. But yeah, you see Paul McIntyre. Sponsored by the government, picking fruit yeah. surfing <laughs> in Lennox Head. Yeah. But it was, I mean, that back... When you were playing with with Paul and Ricky, I mean that was a time sort of. I think I'd just moved down to home, so I wasn't seeing you a lot either. Mm. And um, did when you guys started playing? Because I know you you guys bought me tapes of stuff, and mm. I think there's. I still remember taking a couple of your things, or at least one of them we, that we used to play as the intro on Ongaku. We used to play it as the warm up during yeah. them, and then keep going straight into the gig. No, that was mad. Um, yeah, whatever, yeah. Yeah, whatever, whatever, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and, and rearranging that slightly for, for you guys to make it fit, and then we ended up playing it. Mm. I mean, did you guys sort of go into it, oh, 
this is what we want to play, or was it more no, it was that jamming, jam, that jam just thing, jamming just aspect? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So how how do you find now with what you're doing now, where and, and I'm only going from an outside perspective, where it's more like Lachlan has written what he wants you to play. Do you still get you feel you get that sort of freedom of expression to put your personality into it as yeah, well? Yeah, he definitely gives that to me. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like you know at least a third of the stuff he shows me, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to play that. Like, How about this? Something really simple. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. Like, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, no, he definitely is very generous. And, like, he, you know, because we worked together when we first met each other, we spent a lot of time together. We've travelled overseas together and stuff. Um, he knows me quite well. He's very um, socially aware dude. In yeah. a lot of, he's a very aware dude in a lot of ways and he's he writes to my parameters he writes to my style yeah. which is very very mm. flattering you know I've never yeah. had that before so yeah, um, yeah like uh, over the years he's gotten to know what I can and can't do and yeah. what I like and what I like how I like to play and stuff yeah. so well, I'm hoping we're, we're, we're going to get a chance to get Lachlan on yeah, in the no, next couple, in the next keen, couple of weeks because yeah, he's, yeah. he's a very interesting guy and I'd yeah. like to sort of pick his brain mm. about a few things. Mm. And um, so now when, when you're playing though, do you do you think about what you used to play? Do you, do you sort of go, oh yeah, fuck that's... Because, I mean, I do a lot of recording stuff at home now. Mm because I don't play in a band or anything and I'm learning a lot about mixing and this, that and the other and sort of teaching myself things just, just for fun. Um, but I go back and record things that I wrote 20 years ago mm. just because I want to hear them, mm, mm. you know, like because you, when you play it, it's not the same as listening to it. So do you still, oh, no, 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 there's that beat that I've, I've always had that, you know, like and I want to bring that out into us. You still, you do that sort of uh, stuff or it's... Little glimpses and stuff, not, yeah. not really, like... Um, yeah, it's it's pretty specific. Like he, like I said, in a lot of ways, he's writing to my style and my taste and stuff. Yeah. Um, but he's also pushed me to places that I'd never thought I'd even enjoy. Yeah. Um, and I've you know sort of grown to love and 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 you know discovered you know new sounds and new techniques and yeah. ways of playing that I'd. I'd you know, would have laughed at twenty years ago, kind yeah. of thing. But yeah, but I think that's the, like that we like because we we've all we all do that in s- such a way. And I know for myself, I'm going back to stuff that I'd never would have listened to, and that stuff that I would have gone, oh, that's just total shit, mm-hmm. you know. And now I kind of go, oh, fuck, yeah, that's not too bad, you mm-hmm. know. So it, in your in your playing, you, are you doing any of that any of that sort of stuff, or like it's just I just thought more, more what I w- want to know is like, do you feel like because we talked about that that jamming as- aspect of it and the personalities meeting in the same room, do you get that same satisfaction out of out of playing or not? Not in a jamming aspect, no, no because everything's kind of regimented, everything's written, yeah, um, and it's essentially his baby. It's his it's yeah. his thing, and you know you want to do it justice for for his creation kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, As a live concept, God's Wound, you still have to fall into the parameters of that structure the yeah, whole way yeah, through? Yeah, yeah. I think the songs yeah. are pretty complicated. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very structured. There's very definitely that everybody has a part to play um, kind of thing. Uh, 
there's there's little moments like we we have like improvised moments they're mm. they're like you know this happens now kind of thing but we'll we'll play like little sort of musical games um with it within that mm -hmm. um which is conducted by Lachlan um you know so whether it be tempo or volume or or whatever it is um so there's definitely you know it's not like we just get up and okay these are the songs kind of thing you know so mm -hmm. a six but minute, it is a six slightly different song. discipline than than yeah. what you where you would have started oh, yeah, you know? yeah 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 but definitely. obviously you, you, do you feel a tad restricted then or no i feel a sense of freedom out of it i suppose because of you know coming from a background of, of being you know one of the one of the main songwriters and um you know having uh sort of you know in that aspect doing our music and Paul's music and um, you know having sections where okay let, you know we've got five minutes let's just jam doesn't matter if we're on stage or not and see what happens kind of thing um, now it's the complete other end of the thing and I'm playing somebody else's music um, yeah, yeah I, I've, I've kind of found a freedom within that in the freedom within the structure yeah 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 mm -hmm. with discipline comes freedom you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. which is a, it's a good it's a good Good thing to have. Mm. But Does Lachlan raise eyebrows when you fucking step out of beat? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I don't yeah. step out of beat. <laughs> 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 but have you seen me through the <laughs> Just because the rest of the band's off. Yeah, Come yeah. on. <laughs> That's good. I'll be interested to have a chat to him too about that, about that sort of stuff. Funnily you know, enough, next yeah. week we're getting together to jam. Like we never, never jam. There's been like maybe five or six times, maybe in a sound check or something, where we've like gone, okay, yeah. let's... How long has the band been together now? Since 2008? Yeah, Gotta be 10 years, eight, yeah. 2008, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. we haven't played a gig in two years, you know, yeah. Who came up um, with the name God's Word? Uh, Lachlan, it's, it's completely his... It's just baby. his baby, it's his project. It's, it's, a, it's we, one of the what's original... What's the meaning behind God's Word? one of the original swear words. It's a profanity from like medieval times. Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I, no, I, I no, guess there's that. no religious just, thing no. about it. It's it's like. Well, can you explain that to Mum? Because she totally thinks there is. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm wounded. I'm one of God's children. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's what people think about. Yeah, yeah. We've been called a whole bunch of things. Yeah. God's wad. God's wad. God's wound. But you guys, I mean, look, it, it, even though you haven't played for two years, you guys, it, it, in the short time you're around, have done some amazing things like yeah. you, you went to Taiwan, Taiwan for six months, yeah, yeah. toured over there. Yeah, yeah. You went to LA to record your album, mm. which is you know, fuck, kudos, brother. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you know, out of all of us in terms of that, like you, you had the balls to take up, you know, something that was sort of unknown, especially the the the, the Taiwanese tour. Mm. Like I was nervous for you, yeah, when yeah. you were going because that was so like, and I'll be hundred percent honest. There's no way in hell I would have done it. I would well, not have had the It was an opportune it. time in my yeah. life. I didn't have kids. I wasn't married. Yeah. You know, like a, it was. We we had an offer to be taken there. Turns yeah. out these guys were completely dodgy, and we got rid of them within a, in a month or two. And we did everything ourselves. We lived on like a couple of dollars a day. Yeah. You know, but we didn't. You know, run home with our tails between yeah, our that's, legs. That's but that's an we, experience that's, that's, that's priceless, yeah. man. Yeah. You know, like like a, there's no way I'd be able to even afford to do the same thing again. I'd love to go back there. Yeah but much better prepared um, now. But yeah, there's no way now in this point in my life I'd be able to do the same thing again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd, you know, 
given the same situation, I'd, I'd do it at a job of behalf. Yeah. Man, I've never even heard of Taiwan before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually, because everything's like, check, so Check the back of your jumper, I reckon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or your phone, yeah. Um, Was this yeah. as you were getting on the plane? Well, no, ev everything <laughs> from Lachlan's point of view, he was so Upon influenced landing. by <laughs> Japanese culture. Um, that that was the aim to get to Japan to play in Japan because yeah. you got over was, there though too. Didn't yeah, you? yeah, yeah, and like we did six months worth of gigs, or you know the last four or five months worth of gigs where we did everything ourselves and we raised just enough money to do three cities in Japan with four or five gigs over there. Yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, that's where all the money went for that last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah to play over there. And How are the crowds? Yeah. Um, in Taiwan or Japan? Nice. Um, there was. Generally playing at dive bars, so maybe tops 20 people kind of thing. There was a couple of really good gigs, like we played at uh, a university where there was like 2,000 people. That was great. Um, and Japan as well, though. No one had ever heard of us kind of thing. We got thrown on the bill with a bunch of un unknowns kind of thing, and it was yeah, generally like 20 or 30 people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but still 2,000 miles away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doing it in a different place, oh, different great culture. experience, man. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to quickly chat to Woods about your playing. Are you doing anything, okay. anything at the moment, or is it something that you want to do, or because you were you were a vocalist as well as percussion? Mm. Yeah. Um, especially when we played in in Doctor Smooth and Dopamine, and you know you had the congas and yeah. you know battle vocal battle with Alan constantly who can fucking sing the loudest <coughs> who can do the most yeah. harmonies <laughs> can do seven at once <laughs> have you done anything um in the last few years or is it something that you, you want to do or yeah actually um a couple of couple of old ramic north boys maddie titchen and um, yeah that's chris sharp a few yeah. of those boys we're gonna we're gonna get jam in a few weeks just just dirty rock and roll stuff cool i think the last the last band that, that i played in Maybe, mm. if he can be bothered. The last band that I played in was was with all those guys, with Goran, with Shane, yeah. with Jesse Conrad. Clan Zenith. Um, Clan Zenith. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Clan Zenith. Clan Zenith. Yeah. And I played Charlie drums. Holmes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Charlie Holmes on bass. Ah, that's yeah. right. Exactly. You guys played in Wollongong, didn't you? Yeah, we played that's in right. Waves that or... Yeah. No, no, no. At, at the... Um, or something, wasn't it? No, no. The, the Oxford... Yeah, doesn't Oxford. exist anymore. There it's fucking go. shops and shit there okay. now. But yeah. well, I, I read a review somewhere about that. I can't remember some magazine or something, or maybe Charlie showed me. It said, yeah. uh, it said, uh, not the greatest musicians, but definitely alcohol fueled rock and roll. You can really get your groove on to. Big time. That's, oh, a, yeah. that's a quotable quote. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> alcohol fueled rock yeah. and roll. We had fun. If it sounded good, that was a bonus. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> I remember. Oh, we played some great venues. On Gaku's first gig, it was at the Baton Ball, and Clanzina supported us. Yeah. And right. you guys came out first song, and I think I'd gone out for a cigarette or something. I come in, and I see Jesse's Scon Man's bloody guitar. Yeah, like, smashed. Totally in shadows. <laughs> like, you hadn't even got halfway through the first song yet. <laughs> and he just smashed it. And he's like, oh, Ricky, can I borrow your guitar? And he rings <laughs> like, fuck off, no. <laughs> It's left-handed. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I played a bit with those guys um, after after doing all the funky groovy stuff, um, and then not much for a long time. I uh, did a bit of a cappella singing Billy Joel tunes on Valentine's night. 
a couple of years ago. It was good fun. Did a big gig. It took about 500 people. Cool. Um, yeah, good fun, good vocals. Yeah, for me to sing, I play my djembe all the time. Yeah. Just go and sit on the cliffs to Camarama. <laughs> Uh, you but you find shirt off. But yeah. it's your escape. You find yeah, solace absolutely. in it. Yeah. Like, like any true musician, you can go. Doesn't matter what's going in your life, you can go mm. pick up that instrument, go to your special place, and all of a sudden, crank, you're, yeah. yeah, you're on a different plane, yeah. and you come out of it happier. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know. I'm not a musician, but no. But everyone has their passion that they, you know, mm. they do that with. Like mm. I, I didn't play for ten years. Yeah. You know, like I did, did a whole lot of other stuff while I was doing. But yeah, yeah. Now I leave the guitar out where I'm going to trip over it. So yeah. as soon as I say, oh yeah, cool, see ya. Even if it's just for five minutes a day, mm. you know, and I think mm. I'm a much better player than now yeah, that I was back then because, you know, yeah. it's just yeah. stupid things get in your way, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I, so I, I've, I've never understood that. I have no talent to, to play an instrument at all, but I would give anything to. And it's very hard for me to understand how you didn't play for 10 years oh, and man, I rate you as one of the best bass players I've ever had beer. Think, think about it like oh. this. Who owes me a case Who? of beer? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but is the bottle actually loaded? <laughs> yeah, it's only eight quarter to nine, man. The Jimmy, Jimmy Breen. No, 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 Jimmy Breen. I don't want to know the score of that. That's good. Jimmy Breen. Yeah, but you know what? I've played in pubs since I was 15. So from 15 to 32, I played every day. I was obsessed when I was a teenager. Had to play, I used to sit there and I worked out how to play three days and I'd sit there and, and, and play it over and play along to it. I worked out how to play Faith No More just from listening and play and play and play and then the bands and then you know rehearsal and even though I had kids I'd still you know want to play gigs and this and, and, and it was I was obsessed so it took over took my life you once and told me that uh, you wrote one of your uh, best songs while sitting on the toilet yeah probably yeah the, the, the acoustics are great in the bathroom especially <laughs> when you've got an acoustic guitar or something it's good no, but it's without an instrument yeah <laughs> <laughs> Blowing your own trumpet, <laughs> <laughs> hammer and tongs. But yeah, like I couldn't. But by the time it got to Ongaku, sort of finishing, and I, I guess in some ways I sort of finished that band because I couldn't keep going. I was burnt out. Everything that I was writing was shit, in my opinion. I didn't like it. The guys that we were playing with, I mean, they're my best friends, I mean, my brother and. Ricky. Other than my brother, no, yeah. Other than, <laughs> other than my brother, I hate that guy. Um, we were we were so close for so long. I had to get away. I had to I had to do something else. So I just stopped. I went and got a black belt. You know, I, I, I hung with my kids so much more because I'm you know with my job and everything else. I missed so much uh, of them when they were really little that I I, I didn't want to miss out on anymore. And it was like, you know what? I'm not getting anything out of playing this music anymore. It doesn't, even egotistically, it doesn't give me anything. I feel like I'm doing it because I don't want to let the other guys down, but I'm not doing them any favors by being half-assed at it. And I think also musically, you know, me and Mule were pretty much the driving force behind that band. And we were separating musically Yes, what we were listening to and what we were interested in playing wasn't. I mean, the band went what twelve years, ten years. Mm. 
weren't for a long time. Like, it's not like, you know, we were sort of two years into it and went, ah, fuck it. Mm. We sort of weren't into the same stuff that we were when we started. So We had a lot of, like, almost opportunities as well. Oh, a lot of near misses, man. And we sort of, we'd go to get to a place where we were playing the Metro and and then go back to playing the Hopetown. You know, it was kind of like, oh, fuck this again. You know, now we've got to do another six to eight months of working it up and getting to that level and just for some arsehole to go, nah, fuck it, you guys aren't the, 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 the shit anymore, so I'll see you later. There's, there's, so. a, there's a place in Dublin called uh, Whelan's and it's like the pinnacle of where you want to play as far as gigs go in Dublin. And all the music, I know a fair few musicians from there and they they call it the Boulevard of Broken Dreams. That's yeah. what Whelan's is called by all musicians because everyone gets it and thinks, I've made it, this is it, I'm yeah. on my way, I'm off. Mm. Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Yeah. Every time they said, you know what, 99% of the bands who finally got there never went any further. Mm. No. The same thing, it's soul destroying. Mm. Yeah. And it's also, it's it's so, like success in, in, in the music industry is so arbitrary because you can be, I mean, we, we had stuff that we recorded an album and it got to the head of Sony. And the feedback from him was, it's great. Musicianship's awesome. Songs are really good, really well, con- you know, constructed. This, that, and the other. But your stuff won't make it in America, so we're not going to sign you. That so was like, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> God, you know, we just we just put everything into that album. Mm-hmm. You're saying it's good and it's good enough to get to a commercial level, but you can't sell enough of it. So that's that's the side of it where I kind of just went, you know what? And I, I and I'm much happier now just doing stuff that I want to do. Did that part of the industry make you feel less of a musician? Oh, I don't think it would, I think it would make me feel more of a musician because I didn't want to buy into it. Mm. You know, like it, it wasn't so much that I wanted to be famous. I wanted to make enough money to pay my mortgage and feed my kids and not have a fucking shit job. That's all That's I wanted. The, the financial aspect, unfortunately, yeah. held us back in a lot of ways. None of it, we were all running off the smell of an oily rag kind of thing, yeah. you know, like we were doing the best we could to try and record, like paying for rehearsals each week, just paying to get to a gig where you might earn $20 each, but you'd spend that on the petrol and the, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of drinks kind of thing. Um, you know, trying to find places to record that were, you know, through uni students, so we'd get the studio for free, you know, all these things where, you know, if you just had that little bit more money, you could go, fuck, all right, we're going into a studio, let's get organised kind of thing. We've got the money to spend a week in there. We never had that, you know. No. Mm-hmm. And it, it's different now. Like the bands now don't have, the, I don't think they have that same struggle because of things like Garage Band and you know Pro yeah, Tools is now. So you, you yeah, can yeah. have a, if you've got a computer, you've Make got a you've got a studio. Yeah, 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 you do it on your phone. There you go. And what, what was that guy? Oh, go on the Voice. Gautier. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's goal, man. Come on, Godwin's are up for him next year. You're gonna do the. Oh my God. You're gonna do the blind audition. Uh, I'll have to get very blind. Get blind yeah. That, yeah. yeah, success and failure in music business is um is is pretty interesting. I I um I I read an article about a, a very interesting guy that's got a lot to do with rock and roll and grunge music and his name is Jason Everman. Jason Everman is probably the uh, the unluckiest guy in the whole music industry. He was friends with um, the guys from Nirvana 
when they re when they recorded the album Bleach, he got invited along because he had money, and they it cost him six hundred dollars or roughly around six hundred dollars to actually pay the sound guy to record Bleach. So they got their mate to come along. He was on the on in the credits as being in the band. He was on the front cover of the album, but he didn't ever play a song with them. He recorded once or twice with them when they did a few cover versions, and he toured with them for about a year, and they got rid of him. Right before they right before they release Nevermind. So he's left Nirvana. And then um, he met up with the guys from Soundgarden. And this is What did he play? So he played guitar in Nirvana, he played rhythm guitar. Mm. He was also a drummer mm. and then he, he he moved on to Soundgarden, he played bass for Soundgarden for two years. On the first album. Yeah, right when they were just becoming kind of big and they, and they had a lot of money they had a lot of industry people behind them they were like doing big big gigs and they they got rid of him and then they just went off and well they got rid of him and then they recorded bad motor finger yeah 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 so this guy was in nirvana before they became famous and he was in soundgarden before they became famous yeah and then there's the there's that same guy from newcastle who was in silver chair <laughs> right <laughs> and his parents said no, you're not allowed to play in that band anymore. Uh. <laughs> and then two months Jeez. later, Frogstorm came out. Yeah. And they went touring worldwide. And he was just one of their schoolmates who was just playing rhythm guitar with them. Wow. Oh, yeah. I went to Silverchair's first gig. That was at a bolo oh, in. Were you there? Was there no, no, you remember you took because it was the Innocent Criminals. That's right. No, they, yeah. well, they just changed their name. Just their first their gig name. as Silverchair. Yeah, right. Um, who did we go? We went to see, to see someone else and they were supporting them. Or maybe, no, maybe it was Silverchair. But they, you know, I remember walking in and they're playing like Pearl Jam covers and stuff and like nailing it. Like, yeah. Oh, wow, these kids are pretty cool, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's amazing, like, it, it doesn't take much. Sliding doors. Oh, and, and that's absolutely. the thing, like, you, when I think about, okay, can I count myself as being successful? Man, there's moments that I had on stage of, especially the jamming stuff. That, I, that no one can ever take away from me. And that, that mental trip that you go on when you're playing and when you're in the depths of a jam, you don't know what's coming next, and all of a sudden your fingers find something mm. subconsciously. And, you know, I'm playing something and, and T will all of a sudden yeah, hook into it. And yeah. cause, just because we've known each other for 20 yeah. years and played yeah. with each other for 20 years, mm. Like that, that, that feeling that you get from, no one can touch that. Mm. No, no record industry fuckhead, no one with money, no one, no dickhead producer, no asshole sound, no one can touch that. That, that, that exchange on a fully, I won't call it spiritual, it's more, it's like an intellectual spiritual connection because you, you when you're playing you just go to the, the like for me I go to a place in my head that cannot be touched by anyone yeah. and so those when you when you find that and you can hit that with someone else no one so no one can take that away from you so for me that's success because that's I've found more often playing and jamming with other people of how special it was for for us as a group of guys in, in all the different bands that we've been in, that we had that. You know, we had that ability to, to sit into a room, 
one guy will start playing something, everyone else will jump on it, and then it'll move and it'll go, and someone will pick it up. And subconsciously, we just went to these places that that, that no one can touch. And we were so—I don't think we realised how lucky we were to, to have that. Mm. You know, because so many people and 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 other musos that I've played with can't do that. That I don't know. This is how the song goes, and this is how you have to play. It's like, can't we just fucking? You know, just fuck with it. No, 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 no. You wouldn't work well in God's wound. No, no, probably not. Probably not. But Luke Sale is 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 one that's like that. Like he's so focused on making his song what he hears in his head. It means he's really. It's really difficult. You can't jam with the guy. You know, like what the screams. Yeah. <laughs> kids got kids got issues. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I love Luke, and he's a. He, as a self-taught musician, he's, he's, a, he's a, you know, a guy that just sat there and had focus and went, fuck it, I'm gonna teach myself to play guitar, and he did, you know, like, and was so vibed and so onto it, but when I started playing with him, it was like, you don't know how to jam, you know, like, that's the, that's the downside of, of that sort of stuff, so. Hey, What's that one? What's that heavy one? It's a male plane. You see yeah. the balls. <laughs> Kenzie said yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just, just um, the plane is going. The plane, boss, the plane. So on that note, let's have a jam. Wait, 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 oh. wait, 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 wait. We're forgetting wait, wait. about the elephant in the room. I'm not saying you're very large, but yeah. <laughs> you used to be. <laughs> a little bit. Let's talk about Robert. Talk about Robbo. Been procrastinating about us boys for the last couple of hours. What did you listen to on the way here, Robbo? Well, he's been here all the day. So. <laughs> no, no, no. I know what I listened to this morning on the way to work. I listened to The Naked and the Famous. The Naked and the Famous? Mm-hmm. A New Zealand band. Mm. Oh, look, fantastic band. Like, they massive following, done a lot of festivals and like big, big stuff. They relocated to LA and. Um, they're just, oh, there's something about them. Thomas Powers, uh, he writes a lot of it, and uh, Alicia Xanthia, I think you pronounce it, X like Zayola. Amazing voice, but lyrically phenomenal. Mm. You know, and they're not my kind of music, but, well, they're not my general kind of music, but I just, just love listening to them. I love her voice. I love the context of what they're writing about. It's interesting because there's a lot of um, dark breakup songs mm. and that there actually were a couple together. Yeah, right. And so the songs have to be about them. So could you imagine how hard that is mm. to perform that live on stage when they're mm. talking about each other? Yeah. I think they're talking yeah. about each other. I mean, I don't know. But you'd have to assume. You'd have to assume, yeah. wouldn't you? Fantastic drummer, like a really... Boom, 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 and then just all of a sudden breaks out and oh, fuck really good but uh, actually I was thinking about this as I was listening to this song this morning and uh, I should be able to bring it up on my iTunes and read it out to you yeah, I mean you're, you're one of the few people that I know personally of our generation that still regularly sees live music and you know just from your Instagram posts and stuff I, I'm, I know what you're seeing and Half of the stuff that you go and see, I probably wouldn't see, but I, I have more of an appreciation because you have more of an appreciation for it. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm a gig pig. Yeah, yeah. And I can't help myself. The split ends gig is a good example of that. Oh, 
Like, well, I don't last time we saw it. each other was Crowded House when I was working on Crowded House. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it's not not a gig that I would have paid to see, but because I was working there, I grew up. No, it was Ben Harper. I didn't go to Crowded House. Were you? Yeah, was it Ben, ben Harper? Harper? Oh, okay. Well, I worked in Crowded House as well. Yeah, well, I <laughs> And it's well, not a band I would have seen. I was working there already. Yeah. Yeah. Taking <laughs> 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 out backstage. <laughs> so, so, lyrically, this is the song I was listening to this morning, and I was really thinking about this because. It's written so well. It's like a, a good friend of mine in his position. Uh, he's he's eternally trying to write a, a love song without saying the word love. Mm. It, and it's hard. Mm. You know, um, and his best example of that is a lead singer of Men at Work, Colin... Oh, Colin, Colin Fay. Colin yeah. Fay. Um, his song... Uh, Land down under. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no Is it Men at Work song? Or? No, no, no. It's, it's no, Colin. Colin. Yeah. Colin Fay's on it, but he writes this amazing love song. Um, uh, it's on the soundtrack to that movie. I'm drawing blank. Don't put me on the spot. I'm supposed to be just in the background. <laughs> Come on, man. I'm the technical guy. Is the tape. Not oh, today. Look, look at that. The battery's about to run out. Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> so. This is the song I was listening to this morning. <clears throat> this wasn't supposed to be external, but it seems I've made a mess. This wasn't meant to be special. Now it's nagging me, confess. Don't talk to me. I could improvise solutions. I could try to frame until I'm left with your admission that I'm not all there is to blame. I could lie to be gentle. We will never be the same. The more adamant I am that it's the surface, the more the walls begin to flake. Don't talk to me, don't talk to me. So this is her chorus that comes in, and this is the important part. <clears throat> Keeping count as if the hurt could balance. Don't walk with me. Your dirty feet are obvious, and how could you brag confidence? A willing, keen participant in rolling waves of incidents. You've made your bed, now sleep in it, you prince. So mm. he's been caught out cheating. Yeah. Mm. But it never says it at any point. Yeah. No. But just the way she writes it or he writes it, it, it just made, like, there's so many different ways that you can say something without actually saying it. Mm. If I live till 103, I just don't think I would ever get over you. you What's know, the song called? I just don't think I'll ever get over you. If you nice. it, it's a really nice love song. It's a love song. Mm. He's, it's you know, it's his life dedication of yeah. love. Yeah, great, but great. it's just for what I was listening to, and just the way things are, you know, written in songs, mm. set in songs, but are unwritten. Yeah, absolutely. But, but trying to do that with a love song is ridiculously hard. Oh, you know, because there's that, there's that. Um, oh, what's her name? 
What's her name? What's her name? What's her name? Holly Smith. She's got a song called "Can't Let You Down." Mm. And I love to say that. Did you say can't? Yeah. <laughs> cool. So she can can't let you down. <laughs> but it's what the, is it you can't face? <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> but the the lyrics are: It's been so long, too close for comfort sometimes, but can't live without you. Which I've been married for twenty years. And that song is like, yeah, that, that, that nails a long relationship, you know? It's like, uh, I know everything about you. I know you're asshole. I know when you fucking love me, but if you weren't here, I can't live, you know? I love that, I love that song. I love those lyrics, man. It's, it's awesome. But it triggers that, like, it's not, oh, I love you. It's not gushy, top 40, you know, love my life stuff, but it's, it's something deeper than that, which th those lyrics that you, yeah, they really touched on that, man. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, you can say, you know what, you're a, you cheated on me, you're a prick. Yeah. If you say it like that, yeah. fuck. <laughs> that cuts, yeah, that just cuts tears hard. the heart out. He was still a prince. Yeah, yeah. He was still a prince, yeah. Well, he wasn't but, a king, that's what I was like. Oh, he's not the king anymore, he's only the prince. Exactly. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's like your parents saying, I'm not upset with you, I'm just disappointed. Disappointed. <laughs> you know what, that, that, that works, man. Oh. That works. You know? So does that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Can't you just call me an asshole? Speaking, <laughs> speaking of parents, I know this is a... Know, a bit of a family affair and whatever and when we're when we were quite young we the you know we got some great christmas presents i can remember i can remember one year grandma asking us all what t-shirt what we wanted and i i don't know about you guys but i asked for a faith no more the real thing album cover t-shirt which i got mind you i thought was pretty cool like you know considering the oldies you know um what their views and stuff were but the best Christmas presents that we ever got when we were kids was tickets to the big day out. Mm. I can remember several years. Um, uh, for me, definitely the first one was was the highlight. No, I bought mine. Um, what happened there? Yeah, Fuck. I think I. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got a Christmas Christmas present. Anyway, so I ha I was having a bit of a think about it, and um, that that first big day out for me was um, definitely a you know a, a, a high water mark in 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 terms of. You know, finding out about new music, discovering stuff, realizing, you know, how good shit can be, um, you know, and going to a big festival like that for the first time, um, and it was also the first time I had a amazing mosh. I'll never forget it. It was um, it was while Nirvana were playing. It was oh, the whole gasting. That it was whole insane. floor, man. That whole floor oh, was jumping. Yeah, I, I, I was on my back. On, on top of the crowd, and there was you know people pushing this way. I was going that way, and I smacked my smacked my head on the ground, almost got passed out, but just kind of stood up and and ran, and went back into the mosh. Now I've I've had this book for a couple of years that I found, which is Nirvana, and it's basically a story of every gig of theirs ever, right? And um, there, there's actually there's also a few references to old mate, um, old. Put our Jason Everman in here. The unluckiest guy in rock and roll. So I'll, I'll read to you quickly. Who's that sorry, dude? Sorry, yeah. yeah, we forgot him already. Yeah. So January 25, 1992, Nirvana plays the inaugural Big Day Out Festival in Sydney at the 6,000 seat Horden Pavilion. There was an amazing sense of community, but for some, the manic attraction also made for an event that ranked as one of their most frightening gig experiences. 
The fine lines between fun and pure unbridled fear came close to being breached on many occasions. The huge curtains that sealed off the backstage area from the view of punters never looked so ominous. Ominous, excuse me. And that pretty, that like, when I read, I remember when I read that the first time, I was like, oh man, the, the power in that room was just insane. Yeah. It well, was Rollins just used like, to go on about Australian crowds being probably yep. the scariest in the world. Well, Henry Rollins played that big day out as well. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. played, he he was front man with the hard-ons. Yeah. Right. The, the, the Sydney <laughs> band. Mm, mm. Yeah. Um, was that, that wasn't, that year as well? I thought that was a year after. No, that was the year Rollins played with the hard-ons. And we had, and a lot of people, there's been people that I've talked about, took, talked to about this gig um, uh, that I've, um, and I we kind of come to the realisation that Nirvana actually got blown out of the water that day by B Suburban, who mm. played directly before them. And I, th I think it was an interview with Dave Grohl, who's pointed that out. He said, those guys were just insane. You know, they were like dirty, grungy, you know, rock, like just killing it. But, um... For mine, seeing seeing Nirvana that day, you know, and then kind of going through a whole real surreal, trippy experience of seeing Nirvana, and then Yothi Yindi, and then the violent and then the fans. violent fans yeah. right at the end it was just like, man, that was, like, was did they headline? Violent yeah, violent yeah. that was yeah. the well, first big day. That was yeah, the first big day. They yeah. booked they yeah. booked the 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 artist before Nirvana blew up. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So but Nirvana had they had Ken West. No, no, they didn't Nirvana play outside. They no, played a few years. They played at the Phoenician Club the night before. And they played Salinas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Phoenician yeah. And, and some small club in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. So they booked mm -hmm. all these small places. Yeah. Then they blew in the way, up. In the meantime, yeah, Nevermind came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got my tickets for the first big day out in, in September. Mm. September, November, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And then everyone sort of went, yeah, Nirvana. And then Smells Like Teen Spirit came out like two weeks later. Mm. And everyone was like, fuck, you know? There you go. Selena's, could you bathe? Whole lot of, yeah, whole yeah. lot of drinkies there. Phoenician Club. Yeah. Do you remember Quad Box? Yeah. So they pulled up in a truck. I don't know what big day out it was, but they pulled up at the front gate. That's right. The Palace in the truck, Melbourne. Put the band on the back of the truck and just played to everybody as they're going. That's what they're going, yeah. Yeah. Blew them away as like this hardcore funk, mm. pretty. Um, grungy funk kind of thing yeah yeah well that and ken that, west came out was like man you guys are awesome come in you know kind of thing that yeah. that drummer on recorded yeah the drummer was from friends or rom friends or rom well yeah, he yeah. joined friends or rom later and he was also the head judge of a band comp at the bolo yeah right. the habit one <laughs> the, the bass player, the bass player. that was my connection <laughs> we've just nothing all the way down that's to that. it bam the bolo <laughs> the bass player runs the brain studios now yeah there's right. a lot of heavy heavy rock bands and stuff yeah yeah, yeah 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 and we recorded some god's win stuff yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. so i guess well <clears throat> before we wrap up and move on to um a bit of musical jamming which I might say must be the first time in a long time. For the three of us, for yeah. The three we might have done decade. a little bit in the last couple of years, yeah. but yeah, for the three um, of us. So I guess we go back to our original question. Um, in your own words, I guess on a kind of psychological level, why do you think the music between the age of 14 to 20 sculptures your genre, your taste, and your direction for music basically for the rest of your life? Well, I think that at that age you're, you're looking for something to hold on to. You know, you're looking for something, something to 
you know, you're a rebel without a cause when you're a young kid and you really want to want to find your own identity and attaching yourself to something that is powerful, that you feel that you can relate to. And, yeah, and there's also yeah, yeah, there's also a sense of <clears throat> individuality. So you wanna you wanna you don't wanna stick out but you just wanna be different to you know, your parents, family, whatever it is. You know. But there's that individuality and then there's also that sense of joining a tribe. Mm. Because it, it, when we went to see Jane's Addiction, and, and I've said this to Rob before, when I went to see Jane's Addiction, I was like, fuck, these are my people. Mm. These mm. are the guys I mm. want to hang out with. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't know there was that many of these sort of people around. And yeah, exactly. you know, Dreads and Mohawks and Punks. And, mm. and it wasn't all one group of people. It was the whole, and they just were there for the music. Hey. You know, mm. so that that sense of of belonging to something that's yours, mm. you know, and it's mm. it's not your parents, and it's it's not your school, and it's not your this that and the other. It's something that you can hang on to and share those experiences yeah. with other people that are similar to you, you know. Exactly. And still to this day, we're identifying it and sticking up for it, and you know. Yeah. Well, if people ask me, I'm a metalhead. Yeah. You know, like it's it's what I love. You know, so. Even though I do listen to a whole lot of this other shit, that's that's how I think of myself. Mm. Uh, you? Hormones. Probably <laughs> 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 <Bodily> influence. <laughs> oh, you just play drums to get the wrist strength up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. He did other things so he could play drums. <laughs> hands above the doona. Hands above the doona. <laughs> Going out again, <laughs> <laughs> Give me a tissue, then a drumstick. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. Stop. <laughs> uh, fuck. Plane. 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 An emotional thing, you know, with everything. Um, you know, admittedly, it wasn't till I had kids of my own that I could kind of slightly understand where, you know, where you were coming from in, in prioritizing life and, and, and things like that. Um, but I suppose going back to me going just back onto the drums and not being a singer or a lyricist kind of thing, I, I kind of locked that away and focused on, on drumming and drumming not my own stuff, drumming other people's music. Uh, after verse finished up, I played in a jazz band, a jazz swing band, I played you know, in, a, in a funk band, I played in an experimental band. I just kind of tried to go and do as many different things as possible and then finally hooked up with Lachlan and, and he's coming from, from a very similar musical background um, to, to a lot of things I liked, but he just had this you know, whole fresh perspective and, and a much more educated perspective than I, I had and, and you know for the one band that I liked he was like oh what about these 10 different bands kind of thing have you heard about these guys I'm like oh no oh, oh my god and what about this what about this what about this um, so I think that that you know slot between 14 and whatever 20 or whatever kind of thing uh, I've, I've rediscovered that in, in a lot of different ways in later years kind of thing um, yeah yeah, it's still kind of going. I think that, that that's 
hopefully never going to end. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you, you know what, like I, I, oh, as long as people are out there still making music. Or yeah, what? but but yeah. even even to the point of like you know egotistically on 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 my part, it was like oh you know I know I know I know all the metal stuff. Mm-hmm. And then talking to Anton a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, it's humbling. So much shit I don't know. Yeah, so much shit I don't know. But but even stuff that from from the nineties. You know, like Clutch that I was talking about to you guys before. I mean, their first album came out in ninety six. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't hear them until last year. You know, my favorite album of theirs is from two thousand and four. You know, like there's always something to discover. There's always something that you haven't listened to. Well, even going back to Nirvana, you know, like a lot of people are in two different camps when it comes to grunge music in relation to Nirvana. They're either a Nirvana fan or a Melvin's fan, right? I think either Dave or Kurt used to roadie for, yeah, Kurt did, for the yeah. Melvins, and yeah. they were the guys that introduced Dave and Kurt together, kind of thing. And when you listen to Melvin's music, not that I've listened to a hell of a lot, it's um, it's almost like Nirvana is a pop version of what the Melvins are. Mm. Um, yeah, and like, you know, um, discovering that side of thing, which I totally never got exposed to back in those days kind of thing, you know, and if that had never happened, I would have, you know. Well, the Melbournes yeah. were one of those bands that you'd always hear about. Yeah, like, for, yeah. For me, oh, yeah, yeah. the Melbournes, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know that. And I didn't see them until... They weren't f- popular. No, I didn't see them until about sense. six yeah. years ago. They supported Primus. Mm. My God, yeah. those guys can play. Yeah. And it's not yeah. difficult stuff. No, no. But they've been, I mean, look, they've been playing since 84, 85, mm. something like that. Yeah. But they had, I don't know if they still do it now, but they had two drummers. Yeah, they kind of fluctuate. He fluctuates yeah. all the time. But yeah. the drummers were, one was a left-hand drummer, one was yeah. a right-hand drummer. Yeah, yeah. And they play exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And then share a cymbal in the middle. Like yeah. they share a ride cymbal yeah. or something, you know? Yeah. And that was like... So you were at that gig, but you were sick as a dog, so you probably don't remember it. But, you know, they came out and they, the guy had big um, biking, shoulder pads, biking stuff on fur and, yeah, you know, yeah. spikes coming out. Yeah, and then the, yeah. the, the main guy with his hair, like, yeah. And it was just, yeah. you get just one of those things, you, you can't replace experience. And those guys yeah. have just got it in spades, man. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. They're, they're just next level. Yeah. Next level. Absolutely. Cool. Mm. Well, let's, let's, um, Wrap it up there. Thanks so much, guys, for coming in. Yeah, I really appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah, good been, a, good been a good good chat, and um, let's fucking have a bit of a play. Are we going to talk about football or something? Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Parramatta <laughs> still <laughs> suck. <laughs> yeah. Some and, things change um, and some still stay. <laughs> don't look at the score. No, no. Put no, no. Away. I don't want to know. New South Wales won this year, bro. <laughs> <laughs> some things do change. Still 992, I see. Yeah. Two, three. I read the shuffle, the stroll, the slide, the glide down and I read the shuffle, the stroll, the slide and glide I don't know if any other thing but I read the shuffle, the stroll, the slide and glide That's it, yeah, that's right Yeah, that's right Shuffle, the stroll, the slide and glide Well, I step down the side, I hit my stride Turn my pad and I look to the other side Receiving grace, well, there's not enough respect for the human race. Rolled up to 11, dressed up to the nines. It was half past seven, man, I needed a dime. A wheel of time. I was tall, so I needed at all. Walks alone on his own. 
Finds no reason to go home Why do they look from above? Well his hand fits inside the glove The honest man in his homeland If he can't do it, no one can But he's still a mystery to me Breakdown. That's right. <laughs> there was always one in every song, wasn't there? Yeah. When I see him move, he moves with a shot, stroke, slide, glide. stretch I did in the band was getting the tattoo actually. <laughs> <laughs> you came to one rehearsal. I got really ripped and I was just like, so I'll sleep in the corner or something. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that's how I went down. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's We're right. We're doing all this shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. That's that's the right. band without me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fully. Yeah, we went to Nimbin, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we got paid good for going up there and playing. Oh yeah. So many good cookies. Guys, thanks so much for listening. That was another great episode. Great episode. Awesome. Uh, please don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Check out our Instagram, at Zoyola Podcast. Upcoming guests, little highlights, little bits of video and stuff. Um, if you want to drop us a line. Please do. Please do. Send us an email, zoyolapodcast at yahoo.com. Pick us up on some mistakes. Uh, remember though, Zoyola is spelt with an X. Not a Z. Generation X. Generation X. Um, but yeah, look, we're open to all feedback. Um, if you give us a follow on Instagram, we'll give you automatic follow back. Just because that's the lovely guys that we are. So lovely. So lovely. Very happy. Um, look, if you want to be a guest, you know of someone that wants to be a guest, you like what we're doing, you just want to say g'day, just drop us a line. We'll, we'll read everything, try and get back to you if we can, and uh, hopefully give you a shout out if possible. Have a good night, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.